Purple, get ready to roll indeed. This is the College and Kimball Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Burkhart. I'm going to be flying solo for this preview episode. Justin Nutter, unfortunately, unable to join me this time around, tending to his sick daughter. So he's being a good dad right now. Props to him, and I know he's with us in spirit, obviously, and I will certainly try my damnedest to get you guys prepped and ready for K-State's upcoming game against the West Virginia Mountaineers. This contest has taken on a huge amount of significance as far as the Big 12 championship game is concerned. K-State, of course, disposing of the Baylor Bears last Saturday. 31-3 was the final score at McLean Stadium in Waco. This game was never really ever in doubt after the first exchange of possessions. Will Howard comes in with Adrian Martinez getting nicked up, of course, and Gets the Wildcats out ahead, 17 to nothing. Baylor gets a field goal right before halftime, but K-State firmly in control really throughout the duration of this ball game. Put Baylor in a lot of tough spots. We noted going in that the Bears were an extremely aggressive team, uh, were one of the tops in the country in terms of fourth down conversions and fourth down conversion percentage. We knew that was going to play a role in this game. And with the way K-State was moving the ball so efficiently, Dave Aranda, coach of the Baylor Bears, was put in a, a compromised spot on a couple of possessions. And, and you saw Baylor in particular when the game, we knew it was kind of out of reach. When K-State had Baylor down 24-3 to midway through the third quarter, and Dave Aranda's confronted with a fourth and three from his own 19-yard line, normally a spot where you don't even really hesitate. You just send the punt team out there. The way that Will Howard and that offense was humming at that point, you saw he, he was he was flustered. He and, and K State really made him squirm, and he was in a position there where he said to himself, "Damn, we don't know if we're going to get the ball back three more times if we punt this thing away." He went for it. K State's defense came up big. Credit to Josh Hayes for running down that Baylor wide receiver. I believe it was Monterey who caught that pass, stopped him short of the line to gain. K State took over on downs. Punched it in a couple of plays later to make it 31-3. to it, it was just a, a dominant effort by your Wildcats. Holding the ball for better than 37 minutes, that was another thing we talked about. Sustaining and finishing drives against an aggressive Baylor team. You didn't want to be settling for a lot of field goals, know, knowing that Baylor was going to pull the trigger if and when they got into the red zone. Unfortunately for them, they didn't really see the K-State side of the field very often in this contest. K-State State's defense bowed up in a big way, won the money downs. K uh, State held Baylor to four of twelve on third down, zero of three on fourth down. It, it, it could not have gone any more to script, really. If you had asked Coach Kleiman and, and the assistants, I honestly, the way that that game played out was honestly the way I I had hoped it would play out in my mind. With K State really grinding Baylor down and the offense just did a great job of sustaining drives. As I alluded to a few moments ago, they generated 30 first downs in the game and their success rate was better than 50% or excuse me, it was right at 50%, almost eight percentage points better than what they were at on the season. K-State just held the ball. They, they beat Baylor at its own game. And we noted so many things that we talked about in that preview episode really did come to fruition in terms of K-State Finishing drives, winning the turnover battle, winning the time of possession battle, everything that you could really point to, at least as far as common threads and Dave Aranda losses, K-State 
really won those battles. And that was a big reason why you saw the Wildcats come out on top in that one, 31-3. A big win, K-State getting its first win in Waco since 2016. Chris Kleiman, his first ever win over Baylor. A couple of hurdles and milestones cleared for him, and he's done that throughout the course of this season, as we've talked about throughout really the course of the entire 2022 campaign here. Now, that result was obviously big for K-State to remain relevant in the discussion, and the Wildcat faithful and, and all those in veneer complex alike uh, need to be throwing some major uh, thanks and props to our friends in Fort Worth for taking care of Texas. 17-10 to 10 was the final in that game that unfolded roughly the same time as K-State and Baylor. That loss by the Longhorns reopened the door for Kansas State, which now sits alone in second place in the Big 12. And it's pretty cut and dried here, folks. Win the next two, and you are going to the Big 12 championship. That's all that it comes down to. We'll talk more about that and the implications of this game here a little bit later on in the show. But I did just want to spend a few moments there recapping that effort against Baylor since we weren't able to get you a full recap on Monday. My apologies for not pushing that out. But we appreciate you guys for sticking with us, as I've said, throughout the course of the season. So a couple of things to note here, uh, things that have unfolded during the course of this week. Drake Cheatham made Big 12 Newcomer of the Week with his Five tackles and one interception against the Baylor Bears. Really, everybody in the secondary played tremendous in that ball game. Josh Hayes had a fine day. Echo Boydo as well. Julius Brents didn't hear his name called that much. And usually when you're a DB and you don't hear your name called that much, it's not coming your way that often. So great job to Cheatham and, and, and everybody on the back end of that K-State secondary. Uh, the aforementioned Brents was invited to the Senior Bowl. Uh, he's going to be a draft pick, guys. There's no way that scouts aren't salivating at the prospect of bringing in a 6'4", lengthy, rangy defensive back into the league. He's absolutely going to be a guy who gets picked and has, has an opportunity to play on Sundays. Very much looking forward to seeing him next year in whatever NFL uniform he may don. Uh, and also credit to him and, and congratulations to him for earning the invitation to the Senior Bowl. Another thing that was announced earlier in the week, the Sunflower Showdown getting a primetime slot of all things. And this one's going to be on Big Fox, 7 o'clock kickoff, Thanksgiving weekend. Man, could not have asked for a bigger and better stage and potentially a, a better way to close out the season if you're a Kansas State fan. Obviously, you need to take care of business in Morgantown before you start talking about uh, your game against the arch-rival Jayhawks. But you love to see a big-time stage in this one. This game has just been so timid and mild over the last couple of years it's just one of those you can almost write into sharpie every year up oh, 11 o'clock kick on fox sports one and, and it was great to see the networks and and, and the tv partners obviously re recognize that this is going to be an entertaining game uh, a game in which you have a, a ku squad that has punched well over its weight this year and has done a lot of of fun things on offense and, and then you have a k-state squad that Hopefully, if you're obviously a Wildcat fan, is in a position to to get a win and to to firm up its position in the Big 12 championship game. 
a lot of stakes in this one. And dare I say, one of the biggest sunflower showdowns, you probably have to go back to the 20, uh, not the 20, uh, the 2007 game, uh, the one in which unfortunately K-State came up on the short end. That was the KU Orange Bowl team as pretty much every Jayhawk fan will remind you about 2007. Uh, but that was probably, this is going to be the biggest game since then. And then going back even further, probably 1995 when KU and K-State were both in the top 10 in the country and the Wildcats just hammered the Jayhawks. Uh, one of the better Bill Snyder performances. And for the longest time, it was Bill Snyder's only win over a top 10 team. So very much looking forward to the Sunflower showdown. But uh, to bring it back to what's on deck here for the Wildcats and some more external and ancillary storylines here, West Virginia on deck for Kansas State. And the big thing that unfolded this week for the Mountaineers, athletic director Shane Lyons has been, uh, let's say, released. Uh, we've I, I've read a handful of things and heard some things on some national shows saying it was a, a more mutual parting of ways. But in any event, athletic director is out. And that obviously calls into question the status of Neil Brown, the football coach, which is in his fourth year as the head man in Morgantown. And he's really been, I won't say living up to expectations, but but I think every West Virginia fan is pretty lukewarm on him at this point, if not saying, hey, it's it's time to turn the page and as it stands right now, Neil Brown is 21 and 24 overall. Uh, he got a contract extension in April of 2021. And, and since that point, West Virginia has gone 10 and 13, 6 and 10 in conference games. And this has really just kind of been the trend for Brown. All of his teams have just been kind of middling right around 500. The COVID year, West Virginia was a little bit better. They were 6 and 4 that year, had a really nasty defense. But, um, if you throw that out of the out of the equation, they've been pretty ho hum, and this year is really no exception. And and honestly, and looking at some of the recruiting rankings as well, it's a little bit of a surprise. And I, I dare I say I'd be disappointed if I were a West Virginia fan seeing some of the classes that they've been landing. That they, they've had some classes that have been. Uh, Inside the top 30, they, really the worst class that Neil Brown's brought in here over the last few cycles was ranked 47th. So it's uh, they, most of their classes, like I said, have been 29, 32. They, they've been in that range. And, and you, you certainly would, if you're a Mountaineer fan, would be expecting better results than what you've seen. Now, West Virginia, as they sit right now, Four and six on the year, two and five in league play. They have come up on the short end of a, a handful of 50-50 games. So this is still a team that don't be deceived by that two and five conference mark. That that game against TCU in particular, they were very close with the Horn Frogs throughout the duration of that contest. TCU got a late, late, late touchdown, which I was very thankful for, and that I took the TCU team total over 39 and a half in that game. Uh, but that that game, the 10-point margin doesn't tell the story. They had a really tight one in the backyard brawl to open up the season against Pitt. And there have been games throughout the course of this year that they've just come up on the short end on. Now, granted, they've also won a couple of 50-50 games. They, they upended a pretty good Baylor team in Morgantown. And, and here most recently, they took out Oklahoma 23-20. to And... and and this has given Baylor a little bit of life, honestly, I, I, or excuse me, given West Virginia a little bit of life, uh, most recently rallying from that 10-point deficit to to take out Oklahoma 23-20. to Casey Leg knocking through a field goal at the very end of regulation that snapped a three-game losing skid for the Mountaineers. 
So if you're a K-State fan going into this one and you're just looking at the records and you're saying, ah, they, they look pretty ho-hum. If, if you're doing some comparative scoring, you see, oh man, they went, they just got blitzed by Iowa State, a team that doesn't have much of an offense. Texas Tech hammered them by almost 40 points in Lubbock and all these other things. If you're doing the comparative scoring game, I, I would caution you against doing that because this is a, a better than advertised West Virginia team in my mind. And the other thing, too, if you're a Kansas State fan looking at this one, as we look at the series, uh, it's six and six overall, the Wildcat, and it's been one that's been defined by streaks. K-State took the first four when West Virginia came into the conference. So K-State won games from 2012 to 2015. And then West Virginia went on a tear of its own, winning games uh, from 2016 all the way up through 2020. And now most recently, K-State was finally able to get off the schneid and in that five-game West Virginia winning streak last year, the Wildcats victorious in a game in Manhattan, 34-17 to was the final in that contest. Everybody getting into the act in that one uh, with the special team scoring on a block punt. Skylar Thompson had a nice game. Deuce Vaughn did Deuce Vaughn things. Uh, it was a nice complimentary effort and, and a good complimentary win for Kansas State to get off the schneid there. And hopefully uh, if this this trend that we've seen in this series being defined by streaks holds true. This is hopefully the start of K-State winning uh, at least maybe the next three or four in this one. So fingers crossed on that front. But as I said, this has been a tricky spot for K-State. Uh, Chris Kleiman, uh, just one and two versus Neil Brown in West Virginia, as I touched on a few moments ago. West Virginia also has won the previous three here in Morgantown. And uh, believe it or not, West Virginia has been favored uh, since they came over to the Big 12. They've been favored in all five of those matchups in Morgantown. And K-State uh, has struggled there as of late, as I noted. And, and Will Howard uh, did start that game there and during the COVID season, a game that, and really this was when I think everybody realized that K-State's offense and whatnot was a little bit smoke and mirrors and that the team just kind of as a collective was on borrowed time. And then the injuries started to pile up, the defection started to pile up and it just kind of went sideways from that point on. But as I alluded to, I, I just I bring up that point about Morgantown being tricky just because it has been a tough spot for K-State to win. And, and the Wildcats, as it currently stands right now, uh, opened up as a five-point favorite in this game. At least that's what I saw in Circa Sports Sunday afternoon. Uh, that line has since gone north of a touchdown at seven with a hook right now. I, I think this one is a game that's going to be pretty tough tightly contested and and you're worried a lot about the external factors in this one that's that's the big question in, in my mind the fact that neil brown and company might potentially be looking for jobs here in the next couple of weeks once west virginia gets its act together in terms of uh, appointing a new athletic director uh, you have to worry about the fact that West Virginia is still in bowl contention. I, I know some some people, I, I fell into the camp of thinking, man, the, the fact that they beat Oklahoma actually makes me feel a little bit better knowing that Neil Brown is going to have his job for another week. Uh, there's just been this really weird trend in college football this year. If you fire your head coach, the interim has had success the immediate week after. So I'm I'm happy, <laughs> at least as far as that goes, in K-State avoiding uh, potentially falling victim to that trend. So you've got a lot of 
external factors in this one. And, and as we get set to dive into the numbers here, uh, looking first at the West Virginia offense going up against this Kansas State defense, uh, the big thing, the big storyline to follow here is, is the quarterback position for the Mountaineers. Uh, we've seen over the last couple of weeks, Garrett Green, the sophomore, 5'11", 200-pounder, uh, has been I won't say usurping, but that's more or less what it's seeming like. He got a lion's share of the snaps against Oklahoma last week. That might have been due more so to the circumstance because you had really poor conditions in that game in Morgantown. Uh, Garrett Green, the much more gifted runner uh, as uh, when compared to JT Daniels there. Uh, but Garrett Green was, was effective in that game, and, and he accounted for uh, north of 100 yards rushing, uh, 138 to be, or excuse me, 119 to be exact. He had 138 passing in that game against the Sooners. And additionally, the week prior to that, he did finish out the West Virginia Iowa State game, going four of five on the final drive of the game for the ears, and he did toss a touchdown pass uh, to make that game 31 to 14. West Virginia still coming up on the short end, but. I bring up those points just to underscore the fact that Garrett Green is certainly going to be a factor in this game for Kansas State, and it's certainly going to be something to be prepared for if you're uh, Coach Klanderman and the rest of that defensive staff. Now, at a high level, I got to mention this team is a, a different animal at home. Uh, in their four Big 12 home games, they've averaged – just under 35 points per 34.8, uh, but that number has been declining. Uh, they topped out at 43, and they've since gone 31 and 23 most recently. Now, again, though, 38.34.8 at home to just 14.7 on the road in Big 12 games. So it's worth noting, and I certainly expect to see a more inspired effort from this West Virginia team, knowing that it's senior day. And I think it also calls into question whether or not JT Daniels is going to get the start. How often is he going to be used? Uh, that's another thing to, to note here. West Virginia, really, their identity was, was supposed to to change a little bit this year. They brought in Graham Harrell uh, as the offensive coordinator in the offseason, and they paired him, obviously, with JT Daniels, the, the USC slash Georgia transfer. And that and they got some help, too, at wide receiver. They've seen a couple of guys emerge in that room, and it was supposed to all kind of marry together and, and produce this really potent passing attack. And, and, and it really just hasn't materialized. West Virginia only averaging 409 yards of offense per game. That's ninth in the Big 12. It's not often that we say that we have an opponent that is averaging fewer total yards per game than Kansas State, but that is what we have this week. They do put up 243 through the air, 165 on the ground. Now, that passing number that I did mention, uh, they're only averaging 6.52 yards per attempt, which is far and away the lowest mark in the Big 12. So it's not a huge, hugely concerted effort to push the ball down the field constantly, even when things are humming for that offense. Now, I will say to that point, though, JT Daniels, who again has started a majority of the games this year at quarterback for that West Virginia offense, has been relatively efficient he's uh, hitting on north of 60 percent of his throws 
61.2 to be exact. He's thrown for 2,107 yards, 13 touchdowns to just nine interceptions. And West Virginia is a fairly efficient offense in terms of moving the sticks. They they have they put put up the second most first downs per game in the Big 12, just a little bit over 24 per. And they're also good on third down as well at over 44% on third down conversions. Uh, this is another team too as well uh, as far as being aggressive goes. They have 19 fourth down conversions, which is just behind Baylor and Texas Tech in the Big 12. So they're still going to, when they get down in 50-50 territory or no man's land, more often than not, you're going to see Neil Brown and company let it rip and try and move the sticks and keep the drive moving. So uh, one final note is just as far as the baseline offensive stats go, they're 39, uh, they've converted 39 of 42 red zone attempts. That percentage is the best mark in the big 12. So like I said, this is, this is a respectable big 12 offense and they've done, done some work in, in their home games. Now, when you dive a little bit deeper into some of the advanced numbers for the, uh, for this West Virginia offense, this is where, things start to get a little sideways. Um, just 2.25 points per drive. That's pretty much middle of the pack nationally, 63rd there. Uh, success rate, decent enough. They're 45th nationally, right at 45%. But K-State's defense is one of the better ones in the country at only allowing 39% success on standard downs. That's 29th nationally. Pass success, 41st for West Virginia. Uh, excuse me, 41st in rush success, 50th in pass success. Uh, but again, K-State's fielding one of the better defenses, and it's going to be one of the better units that this Mountaineer squad has seen this year. And as I already touched on, that yards per attempt number that you see in the passing game, and they have a pretty pedestrian running game as well. Not surprisingly, they rank relatively low on the explosive chart, 93rd nationally in terms of explosive plays generated. So those are the advanced numbers as far as the Mountaineers go in this game. Who are you going to be keeping an eye on for the uh, for the Mountaineers? Well, it's gonna. We talked about the quarterbacks, and I, I would love to tell you I know how West Virginia is gonna play this one, but man, I think that's a card that if you're Neil Brown, you you certainly, you have your poker face up right now because you want to make sure that Klanderman and company don't really have a clue and that they prep honestly for both. And I, I think uh, Neil Brown's gonna be pretty coy throughout the course of this week. And honestly, I I don't think he you could put out a depth chart. I don't. I would not trust that for a second. I I will. I will know who we're going up against as soon as we see the offense uh, break the huddle on the sideline and go out for its first play. So I think Neil Brown's being smart in this position with a little bit of gamesmanship in terms of who he's going to start at quarterback. Now, who he's going to be thrown to, West Virginia does have a, a nice little tandem of wide receivers here. Bryce Ford Wheaton is one of the better ones in the Big 12, the 6'3", 224-pound junior, one of the more experienced players on this West Virginia squad with 31 starts. He's got 58 grabs this year for 641 yards, seven receiving touchdowns. That's second in the Big 12, also second in the Big 12 in receptions per game at 5.8. And then you also have Sam Jones. He's the guy who's going to be taking the top off for the Mountaineers. He has just 41 catches on the year, but 624 yards. So 15.2 per catch, three touchdowns to his name. And then I mentioned this West Virginia running game. 
a little bit pedestrian, and, and honestly, it has a lot to do with the fact that C.J. Donaldson, who was really kind of a breath of fresh air in that running back room, you, you think about some of the guys that West Virginia has been rolling out as of late with Letty Brown and others and Tony Mathis this season. They've really had some some very vanilla running backs who don't really possess game-breaking speed. They're in a, They're in relatively the same physical mold but they just don't really overwhelm you with anything that they do, whether it be catching the ball out of the backfield, uh, their vision or anything in between. They're just pretty run-of-the-mill running backs. C.J. Donaldson was averaging six yards a carry, had 526 yards and eight touchdowns, uh, but he was lost for the season a few games ago. So West Virginia has been putting pretty much all the reps on Tony Mathis. He's got 122 carries for 545 yards, just 4.5 yards per and only five touchdowns to his name. And like I said, I honestly think the more versatile threat that you're going to have to worry about now is that, that element of Garrett green potentially running the ball. That's the thing I'm going to have my, my eyes on as far as Kansas state goes. So with all that said, we've covered the players to watch here. Let's look to the keys for your cats. Well, my my read on this is, is Garrett Green has kind of gotten the the green light here over the last couple of weeks, and and, and obviously Neil Brown and, and and Graham Harrell seem to trust him, uh, putting him into a tough spot last week against Oklahoma. He he threw the ball 22 times. He ran it plenty of times. Uh, against that Sooners defense in, in a poor weather game. And, and and again, this is just a sophomore, but they trusted him to go out there and execute. And, and he did just that. So I, I'm expecting him to be the changeup in this one um, and be the one who likely gets the snaps. Now, again, could be completely off base on that, but that's just my initial read on this one because I feel like he's given this West Virginia team a little bit of a spark. And I think the guys are more likely to respond to him being out there. He was very emotional uh, leading West Virginia down on what would be that game-winning field goal drive at the end of regulation uh, last week against the Sooners. So I think they're going to ride the hot hand here and throw him out there. Now, with that being my expectation, what do you want to do when you're going up against a young and experienced quarterback? You want to create confusion. Obviously, if you're Kansas State, uh, you have one of the best defenses in the Big 12 by a number uh, of metrics. We've talked about it in terms of points per drive. K-State 21st in that department, allowing just 1.7. Success rate allowed is 39%, as I talked about. You've got one of the better units as far as the advanced numbers go. And additionally, you force a lot of turnovers as well. You lead the Big 12 in interceptions this year with 13. Uh, do what you need to do to create the confusion on that side of the ball and make Garrett Green throw you a couple that you can make some plays on and potentially create some turnovers out of. Now, the next item I'll bring up as far as a key, uh, as far as keys for the Cats. You're going to want to be sound. As I've touched on, Garrett Green was kind of the spark that really ignited that West Virginia team and got them over the hump last week. Uh, I I expect this team to come and play like it's got nothing to lose. Again, it's going to be senior day. You're likely not going to have much of a crowd. You, you've got a fan base that I think is selling. Uh, for those that were holding on to that Neil Brown stock, I think a lot of them are getting ready to sell, knowing that a new AD is going to be coming in here in short order. There's a lot, a lot that's going into this one from the outside, and I expect West Virginia inside to just say, hey, we're going to play free and loose. We're, we're, at, we're in our own backyard here. Let's go out. Let's have fun on senior day. So if you're Kansas State, 
be sound. Expect trickery. Expect, uh, again, per- perhaps even more absurdly aggressive calls, perhaps even early in the game. There there might be a point if it's 7-0 in the first quarter and West Virginia is looking at a fourth and two from its own 28-yard line. You, you might have a chance there. They might roll out that punt team and fake it. They might actually line up and try to go for it in conventional fashion there. You got to win those moments and you got to make sure that you're sound in all facets against this team. Because again, I, I just expect them to plot out all, all the stops knowing that there is the potential to, to still make a bowl game out there uh, at four and six. They can still win these next two and get to six and six and potentially get that bowl invite. So there's a lot at play for West Virginia. So be sound on the defensive side of the ball. If you are Kansas state now, I've talked about the keys there. One thing that that has come up, obviously, during the course of the week, and we we all hated to hear this as far as the Wildcats go, uh, Kobe Savage, who has just been uh, a revelation in the Kansas State secondary. We've heard so much praise heaped upon him by players and coaches alike, saying how much of a football junkie he is. This dude just lives in the film room. He, He loves the game. He loves to be out there competing. And he was honestly the catalyst, I think, in that Baylor victory, getting that interception on the Bears' first drive that was looking like it was going to be a touchdown for Baylor. He caught a deflected ball that that then K-State turned around and marched 97 yards for a touchdown to really swing the momentum in the Wildcats' favor. Uh, Kobe Savage, though, we did learn uh, was lost for the rest of this season with an injury. That's going to be a big hole to fill, and, and I'm... I'm confident, though, uh, just by virtue of the fact that the rest of the back end, we did also get some good news on that front. I I admittedly wasn't too concerned uh, with Josh Hayes and Echo Boydo. Uh, Some fans had noted on Twitter and message boards that those guys were were out and and got dinged up in the late stages of that game against Baylor. Kleiman alleviated any concerns there. They both practiced on Monday. They're going to be good to go this week. So this K-State secondary is is still largely intact, and and you're just going to have have to rely on the other guys to step up, whether it be sincere Mason, uh, excuse me, sincere Mason, whether it be TJ Smith, VJ Payne, you're just going to be looking to those guys to, to step up. And VJ Payne's the one you're probably a little bit more concerned about just by the, acknowledging the fact that he's younger and just doesn't have the snaps that some of those other guys do. I, I, I don't know how many reps he's going to get this week, but in any event, it, it's obviously a big blow to lose Kobe Savage I certainly hope that he recovers as quickly as possible. He he was, again, maybe not quite the same level of energy that we saw and the same type of charismatic personality of Reggie Stubblefield, but, but a guy who went out there and very much talked it and, and, and walked it, so to speak, um, He'll, be, he'll definitely be missed, but I, I think this K-State defense as a whole, with what it's done this season, I, I, I don't really have a, a lot of huge concerns, especially also, I, I got to mention that Daniel Green was just playing like a man possessed against Baylor, was was coming up and run support in a hurry, did not allow that Baylor rushing attack, vaunted Baylor rushing attack to really get anything going on the ground. The Wildcats held them to... Uh, pretty much half their their season averages. They only churned out 103 yards, average 4.5 per carry. K-State was extremely salty. You love seeing that production out of the first and second level of guys just getting in there and disrupting things. So 
I, I know losing a guy on the back end is tough, but I, I think the the Wildcats will be able to fill the hole in the aggregate, so to speak, and that this defense still as a collective is, is still a rock-solid group and one that will be more than up to the task of attempting to slow down this West Virginia offense, whoever may be quarterbacking it for the Mountaineers. Let's go ahead and flip the script now and talk about this Kansas State offense going up against the West Virginia defense. And, man... If you aren't salivating this week as a Wildcat fan, I don't know. Uh, I've got nothing for you. This is a West Virginia defense that has struggled this entire season. Worst in the Big 12 in points per game allowed at 32.8. That's 117th nationally. Worst defense in the Big 12 in yards per play, 6.22. Next worst is Oklahoma State at 5.8. Pass defense, 268 yards. That's eighth in the Big 12. Worst pass efficiency defense in the Big 12. Opposing quarterbacks have tossed 20 touchdowns to only three West Virginia interceptions. And as this likely doesn't surprise anybody just based off the numbers that I've just cited, uh, no one in the West Virginia secondary has more than 10 career starts. This was the unit, and honestly, this was the position group that endured the most attrition during the offseason. They had so many players in that group uh, enter the transfer portal, and Leslie just had a tough job this year trying to, to patchwork this thing together with, with transfers and a lot of youth, and even through the passage of time here, West, West Virginia's just been wildly erratic and unpredictable on that side of the ball. And they've just struggled to slow, slow teams down, really be it through the air or on the ground. So this is, uh, this is going to be yet another opportunity for Will Howard and this offense to take a step forward. Uh, Kansas state. If you look at some of the advanced numbers here for the wildcats, uh, things continuing again to ascend uh, the wildcats now up to 41st in points per drive at 2.59 21st in points per drive inside the 40 at 4.5. Uh, K-State still one of the more, not surprisingly, heavy rush teams in the Big 12. 56.4% uh, of the plays, the Wildcats run it. And success rates starting to get a little bit better. Uh, 59th now in the country at 43.3%. And the other thing I'll mention too, uh, Havoc rate. West Virginia, one of the worst in the country at only 13.6%. I, I touched on it. They don't force a lot of turnovers, and they don't really live in the backfield either, uh, despite the fact that, honestly, their defensive line is probably the strongest unit of the defense. And West Virginia, pretty poor in terms of allowed, allowing explosive plays, 91st nationally, and K-State has been ratcheting up the explosives in the passing game here with Will Howard. Uh, excuse me, having taken over at quarterback now uh, with Adrian Martinez getting dinged up against Baylor. One of the questions that uh, I've been discussing with Nutter throughout the course of the week was whether or not you would be worried about the fact that West Virginia's defense is in the predicament now that so many teams facing Kansas State have been in, at least here in recent weeks, where you didn't know to prep for Will Howard or for Adrian Martinez. I, I honestly don't sweat that at all if I'm a Wildcat fan I have just been so thrilled and encouraged by by Will Howard's play and just how how much more versatile this offense has become here when he's been playing quarterback and and it really does start with his willingness to push the ball down the field we saw that crystallize against Baylor when Martinez gets dinged on that second possession for the offense and 
the tenor of the game starts to change there. We see Colin Klein be a little bit more assertive with the play calling, and not surprisingly, Will Howard, as he's really done throughout the course of this season, ha- has been all too willing to to take chances down the field to try to force the issue and and he's been rewarded though wide receivers have made plays on 50 50 balls he's threaded the needle in a couple of tight windows as well and that's that's made defenses stop committing so many bodies to the run and has really opened up this offense and allowed it to hit this this second gear that we've really been clamoring for for so many years and, and I, I know the yards per play against Baylor was not great. It was about a, a full yard lower than K-State's season average at 5.2 against the Bears. But the success rate of 50% was significantly higher than K-State's production to this point in the year. And, and generating the 31st downs is a pretty clear reflection of how dominant K-State was in this game. They, they were in firm control. And, and, and success rate is usually a pretty good indicator of, of how in control of a game you are and the Wildcats really were never in a, in a tight spot and again that's all the credit in the world to to the offensive coaches for for drawing up the right plays and, and recognizing co- and and that's credit to Will Howard as well for recognizing coverages making the appropriate checks finding the right guy in the right spot this offense does just seem a little bit more open when he's back there. And again, I, I hate for this to come off as any sort of indictment on Adrian Martinez. I, I I bring that point up only because it seems like fans have been going out of their way, not only to say we need to turn the page to Will Howard, but also seemingly chastising Martinez, saying that he was detrimental to the offense, holding it back, taking too many sacks, wasn't decisive in the pocket, this, that, and the other. And I just... I simply want to raise the point that you're not in this position that you are right now. Two games to go, two wins, and you're in the Big 12 championship. You're not in the spot if Adrian Martinez isn't the offensive catalyst that he is in the first half of the season. You're, you're not here controlling your own destiny if he doesn't play the game of his life against Oklahoma and lead you to that upset win. You're not in this position if he doesn't run rush shot all over Texas Tech. You're not in this position if he doesn't gut out that win against Iowa State when he he had sustained that injury that's lingered and festered here for, for several weeks now. I, I Whatever Adrian Martinez's contributions to K-State football may be, however many games that may be, I, I just want it to go down that I'm certainly appreciative of everything that he's done for this program and, and the the not reclamation project, but this redemption story that has come of him this season has been one that's been really great to see. And I'm again, I'm just, I want it to go down here as we're just a few days away from Thanksgiving, knowing that I, as a K-State fan, am very thankful for what he's done for this program. Uh, That being said, as we turn the page now to Will Howard for the, the foreseeable future, I'm excited to see what this offense can continue to do, and I'm excited to see his progression as a quarterback. We've already seen such a, a, a notable jump in all of his numbers looking back to last year. Completion percentage up almost 10 points. His his yards per attempt has skyrocketed. He was at 6 last year. He's at 8.5 now, again, underscoring his his willingness to, to take vertical shots against defenses and the fact that he's been able to connect on a number of those. And... and Again, he, he's just been a, a completely different quarterback than what we saw his first two years wearing the purple and white. So I, I have all the confidence in the world in Will Howard and his ability to direct this offense. Uh, you never know uh, in terms of 
him going back a little bit closer to home, I, I would imagine he'll likely have a few more of uh, his supporters in the stands in Morgantown this weekend. So I, I think he'll come out and want to show out as he has. And, and you'll have to recall as well, he started that game in Morgantown a couple of years ago and had a, a really rough outing against, as I've touched on a little bit earlier, one of West Virginia's better defenses in recent memory. That was a sturdy st- staunch group and they just sat on that K-State offense back in 2020 so you know he'll want to go out and and atone for that performance and and he's gone out and he's delivered against all the teams that he's he's faced this season so to that point Will Howard will be perfectly fine as we get set to move forward here for this Kansas State offense a couple of things that I'll note now that we've we've covered some of the basics as far as the stats go Uh, players to watch across this West Virginia defense I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Their defensive line is really the the strongest position group on this uh, unit as a whole. And it starts with Dante Stills. Uh, He's been at West Virginia forever and a day. He's a West Virginia native. And this is going to be his 58th game in a Mountaineer uniform. And that includes what will be his 36th start. He was first team all Big 12 last year by the AP and the coaches. Currently, he's seventh in the Big 12 in sacks with four and a half career leader at West Virginia right now, or current team leader, I should say, in career sacks with 20 and a half and 47 and a half tackles for loss. He is the one who is going to be tasked with trying to clog up this K-State offense. So keep an eye on him in the middle. Uh, Also, a couple other guys that I'll mention along that defensive line, uh, Jordan Jefferson, a 6'3", 310-pound junior. He started all 10 this season. He has 23 stops credited to his name, six tackles for loss, a couple of sacks, and also five pass deflections. So number 93 going to be another one to monitor in this contest. Going to the second level of the defense, it is Lee and I don't even know how to pronounce this name. They don't have a pronunciation guide in the media notes. I'm just going to spell it out. You got K-P-O-G-B-A. Kapugba? Kapugba? Yeah. Uh, Sorry, my man, if I butchered that. But six, uh, (laughs) he is a 6'1", 230-pound junior, one of the team leaders in tackles with 66, three and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, and a fumble recovery. Number eight is your middle linebacker. He's one to monitor in the middle of that defense. And they've got a lot of interesting names in this alignment that they run. You have a cat position. You have a spear position. Uh... The spear is Jasir Cox, and you might recognize that name. He's the North Dakota State transfer that the Wildcats missed out on uh, during this last recruiting cycle. And he has come on and has seen a lot more time as of late, and he recorded a career high in tackles last week against the Sooners with 12 stops and had a pass breakup as well in that game against OU. I expect him to be uh, getting some more snaps here this coming week against the Wildcats. And then also uh, safety, Aubrey Burks, uh, 5'11", 201-pound sophomore, 55 tackles on the season for him. Uh, As I said, if you look up and down this back end of this West Virginia defense, there's a lot of inexperience there. And I, I think that's frankly an area that that Will Howard will be will be able to exploit. I, I mentioned their, their pass success rate uh, for West Virginia is 106th in the country at 46%. They don't generate uh, too many havoc plays. Um, th- this is as good of opportunity as any for Kansas State to to really try and test 
going down the field. It'll be interesting to see if they force the issue early in this ball game. We know K-State has been hyper-aggressive uh, really throughout the course of the season, and that that plays into my, my keys for the Cats here, looking at when they have the ball. What What's one thing you want to do in this type of a game? You want to start fast. K-State's one of the best first-quarter scoring teams in the country. Uh, the Wildcats have been aggressive in that typically if they win the toss or, or whatever the case is, they're going to take ball first and try and, and put the other team down and in a hole. I I think this is absolutely a game that you try and do that as well if you do win the toss because th- this is going to be this is going to be a, a light crowd, I would suspect, uh, and you're you're going to really have to conjure up your own energy in this game, and, and it, it's it's easy it's easy to do in a sellout venue when you've got all the crowd noise, fans are amped up, and you're excited, you're ready to go, and that I, I feel like that's one of those things that can elevate your level of play when a sixty thousand seat stadium that is Milan Pushkar is only has only got you know 30,000 35,000 folks in there you see tons of open seats uh, it and and you know that the other team is is the wounded animal fighting for its life in terms of bowl eligibility you don't want to give that team any reason to believe you don't want to give a, a light crowd any reason to get into it as i said the wildcats have outscored opponents 191 to 94 in the first half you absolutely want to get this West Virginia uh, West Virginia team down early. You want to make them doubt themselves. And, and frankly, you, you want to do everything you can to try and make that team quit. And I, I know that's something you obviously strive to do week in and week out. But, but in this particular scenario, when you know there are so many weird external factors at play, you, you want whatever that whatever that crowd number is, you want that to dwindle quickly. You want it to erase hope from the other team. You don't want to give them any sort of life. So if you get shots early on in the passing game, take them. If, you, if, if Deuce Vaughn has a chance to break one early on based off of a, if you see a, a good alignment that might open up a hole for him, you got to hit those shot plays and get this West Virginia team down early. Next key. You need to maul this team up front, and K-State did a great job of moving around a really star-studded West, or excuse me, Baylor defensive line the week prior. Siaka Ika, you didn't hear his name called, and and they were they were north of 300 pounds on average across that defensive line, and they've been pretty sturdy against the run this season. They they could not stop K-State's rushing attack last week, and you want to continue to that trend this week. West Virginia, their four highest yards per carry allowed games have actually come in their four conference home games, which is really weird to say. Baylor ran for 4.8, KU for 5.6, TCU for 5.7, and most recently it was Oklahoma, almost six yards a carry for the Sooners this last excuse me, this last week in Morgantown. Eric Gray ran for 211, average 8.4 per pop. Not saying you need 200 plus out of Deuce Vaughn this week, although I certainly wouldn't turn it down. But his workmanlike effort that he gave us against Baylor, 25 carries for 106 yards, that pushed him over 1,000 for the season, by the way. I would be perfectly pleased with that type of an outing this coming Saturday against West Virginia. And that leads into my final key, which is hit explosives. This West Virginia secondary, as I've already talked about, is inexperienced, and Jordan Leslie was forced to throw a lot of youth into that back end and guys who were likely not prepared to be full-time starters in the Big 12, and the numbers bear it out. They, they've, they've been susceptible to the deep ball throughout the, the entire season, and they've just really struggled to slow teams down through the air. 
to that point, it, it really does play into this new look Kansas State offense that we've seen when Will Howard's been directing it on the field. Continued to ride his hot hand. Colin Klein needs to continue to be assertive. I, I don't expect this to be the week that he randomly pulls back on the reins and says, hey, let's throttle down and try and put this game in a phone booth and win this one 20 to 14. I'm not expecting that. And I, I think they know that the opportunities are there against this West Virginia defense to, to hit on some of those deep shots. I certainly hope from the health perspective for Kansas State that Malik Knowles and Cade Warner, having had an extra week now to get healthier, they're going to be in a position to, to potentially make some plays down the field against this West Virginia defense. They weren't really called upon that much against Baylor. Their snap counts were reduced. Again, they were both nursing injuries coming off of that loss to Texas. So I, I'm sure they're excited to get back out there in, in, in a more, let's say, fuller capacity and more capable of playing closer to 100%. So those are my keys for the Kansas State offense this week. Uh, real quickly here on the specials. Uh, Ty Zentner continues to impress after being installed as kicker now perfect five of five on the season and, and he continues to showcase he's got a little bit more range uh, and he's obviously been a reliable option after having taken over for Chris Tennant West Virginia on the other side of it Casey Legg is a perfect 13 of 13 on the year only has a long of 38 but frankly I, I don't think he's going to be called upon that much this coming Saturday unless we're talking about a, a tighter game late stages third quarter early fourth quarter and one that has proven to be a game in which points are at a premium. Uh, I, I expect Neil Brown to pull out all the stops and throw the kitchen sink at Kansas State. This is already a very aggressive West Virginia team. That's that's certainly not going to change when your back is pushed even further up against the wall. So that's my read on it. And, and, and really talking about this thing from a higher, a much higher level, West Virginia, there's so much angst uh, in Mountaineer Nation thinking about Shane Lyons being let go as athletic director, people already calling into question whether or not Neil Brown's going to be coming back next season. You have that that carrot of bull eligibility still dangling out there for this West Virginia team. How motivated are the guys knowing that Neil Brown might not even be their head coach, that they might be looking at an interim, whatever the case may be. There's a lot of uncertainty on the West Virginia side. And frankly, I, I only bring that up just to, to to really bring it up for the sake of talking about it. I, I think Neil Brown is still a, a respectable coach, and, and his teams have been in this spot really throughout the, the course of his tenure in Morgantown. They've, they've been middling teams that ha, have disappointed in spots. They, they've jumped up and bit people in other areas. Think back no further than to Chris Kleiman, Neil Brown, uh, 1.0, the first meeting in Manhattan when West Virginia came in at three and six, was a double-digit dog, had no business, no business beating Kansas State in its own backyard. Yet Neil Brown's team did that, and they closed out that season winning that game, and then they won at TCU. They've proven that they're still a prickly bunch, and I expect that type of an effort out of West Virginia this coming Saturday. I don't go into this thinking that Kansas State's just going to roll. Uh, the opportunity for the Wildcats is there. But like I said, I, I think with the new quarterback potentially galvanizing things in the locker room, guys just trying to do everything they can to silence the chatter, I think you're going to get West Virginia's best shot. And, and you got to be ready for it. And Kansas State, though, I, I will say to the credit of Chris Kleiman, They've, they've answered the bell in, in a lot of these tough spots. And Chris Kleiman, uh, from a coaching standpoint, has cleared a number of, of hurdles 
this season. Defeating Iowa State in Ames for the first time. Beating Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State for the first time. Getting his first win over Baylor. These are all major milestones, and these have been games that have historically tripped up Chris Kleiman and his teams over his first three years. So they might not really move the needle much nationally or even in Big 12 circles, but these are certainly big on the Kansas State side of things. And and honestly, this West Virginia game takes on a a similar tenor in that sense, where people are looking at it from the outside. K-State's favored by a touchdown and a hook, and West Virginia's down. They are likely going to be looking for a new coach, this, that, and the other. As I said, this has been a tough spot for the Wildcats to win in, and there's pressure now on Kansas State. And I know a lot of folks to that point have been bringing up the the KU-Texas game and, oh, are you going to be keeping an eye on that? Who are you rooting for? You know, everybody wants Texas to lose, so that'll open up. I could not care less about Kansas football. I will never care about Kansas football unless they are playing Kansas State, in which case I hope K-State kicks the ever-living shit out of them. Don't care about that game at all. Kansas State is now in an ideal position. They're in a spot where they just have to win. They literally do not have to think about anything else but beating West Virginia and then beating Kansas, and you're in. You have control over your own destiny. You you got a massive break with TCU going in and upending Texas in Austin. Don't think about anything else, guys. And I, I know my words might not mean a lot to the average K-State fan, but that's just how I'm parsing it. That's that's stressing when there is literally no need to stress. I am very grateful that the Kansas game kicks off after K-State starts because I would not want to have to deal with any potential scoreboard watching. Yes, there's a little bit of paranoia in me here, but it's one of those things. You, you never know what goes through the mind of kids and you don't want any. You don't want to pull back on the reins under any circumstance. You just want to go out and take care of business and get the hell out of Morgantown with the win. And to that point, let's go ahead and start to wind this one down. Who do we need to see pop in this game? Who are the picks to pop? Well, I'm going to start off here with my defensive pick. And honestly, West Virginia, I know slowing down Garrett Green is likely going to be the big task here just with this little surge that he's provided to this offense over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to look to the linebacking core in particular. I went with Austin Moore last week, and it was nice to see him get back and look more like his normal self. Uh, I'm going to stick with linebackers this week, and I'm going to go with my man Daniel Green, who, who looked back to form. And I know he sustained a pretty tough injury a couple weeks ago against TCU and, and tried to gut it out just a week later when he was still in a, an immense amount of pain. But seeing the way that he was running, the way that he was hitting guys, God, he had Blake Shapin just running right at him and trying to initiate the contact. And Daniel Green was winning that battle more often than not. West Virginia, I expect... To, to call on QB run a lot, and, and Daniel Green is going to be asked to do a lot in terms of keeping an eye uh, on Garrett Green in that sense. So he is going to be my pick to pop on the defensive side of the ball for Kansas State. Offensively for the Wildcats, last week I said offensive line. They did a tremendous job. They ate big time as K-State rushed for nearly 200 yards, threw the ball perfectly well in that game, over 400 uh, total yards of offense. The line was terrific. This week, I've got a lot of candidates that I'm looking at, and I don't want to be prisoner of the moment with Ben Sennett, but I 
feel like he is going to be a pretty big focal point here, just not knowing the status of of Cade Warner and Malik. Again, my my hope is that they are certainly healthier and, and can make more contributions this Saturday. But Ben Sennett, after his big-time two-touchdown performance, I think he, again, is going to be called upon to make some big-time plays in this passing game. And Will Howard has shown no fear at delivering the ball through some tight windows. Again, that one that he threaded to him for that first touchdown uh, still defies a lot of things for me. That's the old, as I said on on Twitter on Saturday, that's the old, you hit B, you close your eyes and look away, and if it gets through, it gets through. And that was absolutely what it was. But I'm looking to Ben Sennett to to break out on this Kansas State offense and help open things up for Deuce Vaughn and the running game with the Wildcats potentially hitting some big shot plays to to send it in. In the passing game. So those are my picks to pop this week. Daniel Green on defense, Ben Sennett on offense. And let's go ahead and wrap this one up with score predictions. Justin gave me his. He's got K-State 30-21. He and I thinking along the same lines this week. I am going to go with Kansas State 34, West Virginia 21. I feel like the biggest challenge for the Wildcats is honestly the the unknown here. How motivated is West Virginia? What kind of a crowd do you get? How inspired does this West Virginia team come out to play? And to that point, I, I do expect West Virginia to be the, the, the pain in the ass that they've really proven themselves to be under Neil Brown. All of his teams ha- have never been so bad that they just completely crater. And as I touched on very early on in the show here, this is a very different team at home in terms of how effect, uh, effectively they score it. So to that point, it's going to be a big ask for the Wildcats. And uh, I think the biggest challenge on the defensive side of the ball will be limiting Garrett Green, as I, I do expect he, him to be the one who gets the nod at quarterback. And I, I think that the ask of him is, can he make plays over the top against this Kansas State secondary? He only threw for 6.3 yards per attempt in his 22 tries against Oklahoma He's going to have to do a lot more than that if he wants to have a shot to, to lift the West Virginia Mountaineers over this Kansas State team, which, again, is playing much better on defense than Oklahoma has throughout the course of the season. Even without Kobe Savage, I expect this team to, to still come ready to play and to be ready for any wrinkles that, that Garrett Green might present to them. Offensively, I still expect Will Howard and company to cook this week. West Virginia, while they have scored it better at home, they're still giving up 39 points per game on average in their own backyard. Uh, Again, I think you'll get a more inspired team, but at the end of the day, I still expect the dam to break at some point and the Wildcats to, to pile up the points. I think they're they're uniquely positioned to, to stress this West Virginia defense in a number of different ways. And I, I expect Will Howard and company to pick up right where they've they've honestly left off. They've not slowed down and missed a beat when he's been in at quarterback, and I expect that to continue this week. So that's my call. Cats 34, ears 21. Hopefully we'll be talking about a Wildcat victory next Monday and the Wildcats one game closer to a berth in the Big 12 championship. A big Saturday forthcoming for your Cats. Cannot wait to take this one in. One o'clock kick on ESPN+. Plus. Thank you guys very much for the download or stream on whatever your preferred app is. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter if you haven't done so already. It's college underscore Kimball. Subscribe to our podcast on whatever your preferred platform may be. With all that said, I'm going to go ahead and close it out the way that I always do. Cats, man. If you know, you know. Let's go get a dub.